Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving Sunday and welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill, who's in the studio with me today. We're doing the old switcheroo, Jill, because you're here and Rick is on the phone and joining us from where are you, Rick, today? In Kelowna. In Kelowna. Weren't we, you just in Kelowna? I was just in Kelowna last weekend. We did the switch, my brother. We just maybe taking turns for family to go visit him. So. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Perfectly cool. Awesome. So welcome to the show. Uh, great time to join the conversation. We, yes, are down to a one-hour show now. So it's one 332 8255 So you've only got a whole hour to join the conversation if you've got texts or questions, things like that. Not the two-hour show we had all summer, but that'll come back sometime in April or May next mm-hmm. year again. So that's great. We're getting a super awesome awesome Thanksgiving long weekend. It is so beautiful. I mean, it started out with Thursday night going Mm, down to like a hard freeze. I actually just the night before I took a picture of my coleus baskets on the front of my house and they were so big and lush. Us too. And then I woke up in the morning and I looked outside and you know what? Everything had fallen and all the dye fell out of all of the um, plants, like the natural color fell out of the plants. And so the, the concrete underneath my plants are all pink and blue oh, really? and yellow. Like it looks like someone splashed it with a bunch of paint. So I've got to hose that off and, and get that going. But uh, it just was incredible to see um, which plants survive, the kales and the grasses and the, and the um, petunias, um, the coral bells. Those all lasted and those are all the cold tolerant plants, but the coleus and the potato vine. And yeah. Any of those tended dahlias, all of those, they it's almost like they melted. Yeah, they just kind of went to mush. Yes. Those big, tall grasses, are they dracaena grasses or something we use, we use in the middle? Yeah. Some of them are green, some of them are, we have like sort of a dark purpley, you know, the reddish Dracina, one. The Dracina, the purple fountain grasses. Yeah. yeah. Those are still, lines. yeah, just fine. But yeah. everything around them is kind of you know, So now mush. it's time to cut those back and then you can put some cold hardy plants in so you can go get some kale and you can get some pot mums and you can throw those into your containers. Mm. Kind of take you through that season until Christmas comes when you can stick your live greens in. Yeah, that's another thing and, too. And Jill, and Jill, now's the time though that that hard frost right across the Saskatchewan is yeah. now the time to trigger the time to to bring in your your summer bulbs, your dailies, your cannas, your callus, your gladiola bulbs. You know yeah. those kind of things to bring them all in. Your dahlias, your begonias, to bring them all in. If we haven't haven't uh, brought them in yet, then now's the time to start. Getting those bulbs hardened off so you can store them for the winter time, and then start start them again next spring. So this is the time, and also triggers the if you don't get your sprinklers blowing out, now is the time to get that done too. Yeah, I know. I just uh, covered up all my manifolds and opened up my my taps and turned the water off inside, let the water drain out because I figured I might have a couple more waterings to do in some of my some of my plants and new trees and shrubs that I have planted. Um, but yeah, it is definitely getting cold enough that it's time to start blowing those sprinklers out. I did a garden walk with mom yesterday around around her property because she's been gone for what three days now and she was getting a little anxious what are my plants looking like <laughs> so we i took her on the phone and we did a walk around and you're right rick um the cannas and uh the dahlias especially um it's they're they're almost melted right down to the ground so that means it's time to sort of pop them up also looking at some of the hostas and uh some of the perennial plants the daylilies they're definitely starting to look like they're shut down for the winter time so if you're doing any um fall cleanup and you have lots of snow cover in those areas, I would just cut those perennials right down to the ground. Remember, perennials come up from the 
the base of the plant every year, so you don't have to leave them right. leave them up. You can take them down. But if you have areas where there's lots of wind or you're not getting much snowfall, I would leave those branches up because those leaves will catch the snowfall and then clean them up in the spring. So I'm thinking of our daylilies that yeah. still have some green on them. Yep. But we're going to be doing our fall cleanup here really soon. If there's still some green, can I still cut them down? I think as long as the majority of the plant has started to turn yellow, I think you'd be fine. If yeah. they're completely 100% green, I would leave them for a little bit longer. But sometimes the hard frost will hit them so quickly that they'll almost turn green but almost turn a transparent color too and that's a sign that the frost has hit them and they shut down as mm, well. Okay. okay. All right. Perfect. one 332 8255 Let's go to our text line. We've got a text that's rolled in here which is great. This is from Arlene in Saskatoon. Can you tell me what you'd recommend to get rid of fungus gnats? I have read that you can sprinkle cinnamon on the soil or stick matches head down into the soil. Do those home remedies work and what would you recommend? I've heard that the cinnamon does work but the best one that we have found um, working is the nematodes. So putting the nematodes into the soil, you can grab them. They're called um, bug, bu- bug busters and you stick them right into the soil. Um, pot, 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 pot busters. Pot busters. Pot, pot, Thank pot, you. Pot, pot poppers. Pot, pot, <laughs> we'll get this name right, right, Rick? <laughs> pot poppers. Jay, I know you've used them before too yeah. and they've worked really well. Um, if you don't have those, another option you can do is take an apple or a potato, cut it up into slices, put it onto the soil. Now remember, there's stages of them. So there's the adult stage, which you can catch with a sticky stick or vacuum them up. They're usually flying around. But there's also a larva stage, which is in the soil. And that's what those nematodes are going to go after. Or you can use a potato or apple, cut it up on the soil, put it in at night. And first thing in the morning, um, remove the top half inch of soil. And that will kind of collect any of those uh, little larvae that's in there. What I found with my, my personal experience, when I tried some of the other home remedies out there, that mm. all they worked, they were slow to work. Yes. And they were frustrating because you had to stay on top of it and keep nursing it and going after it. Yeah, you have to get through those cycles about every 10 right. days. So when I got a set of sticky sticks, those yeah. are the little green sticks that have a, a yellow tape on them that's really sticky. Those caught all the adults and I put the nematodes and all it was was simply basically mixing them with water, pouring them into the plant and then making sure your plant stays moist, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't let it dry, dry that's out. That's key there. That's very key because they can't move throughout the soil without the soil being so moist. So it was like one and done is mm-hmm. my point that basically I put the sticks in caught all the adults, put the nematodes in, kept the plant wet, done. That was it. They were gone yeah. for good. And it, it emptied out all of them. Whereas, you know, some of the other remedies we talk about, even the potato or the apple, yeah. you're going to catch some, but there's still going to be some of the other soil. They won't have caught at all. Whereas those nematode little wire worms are going to go through the entire they're like pot. Army. Yeah, they're, they're going to go They're gonna go through the entire pot. They're going to kill and seek and destroy all of them and just take care of the problem for you when they run out of food. They, they, they die too. There's mm-hmm. nothing else for them to eat. So they don't, they don't take over and become a problem themselves. No. It's so easy. I don't know. It's like a hundred percent recommendation for me is just do that once it's over. Finished. So, so there's the fungus gnats, but I had an outburst of fruit flies in my house mm. the other day. So um, what I had to do with that is clean off all the areas. I sanitized everything. I made sure that there was no fruit or vegetables or anything sitting on my countertops. And then I put out um, some containers of apple cider vinegar um, throughout the and throughout the house. Um, and put uh, saran wrap on and little holes. And within a couple of days, I pretty much had that whole problem cleared up. Oh, really? So, yeah, that really works. So fruit flies, fungus stats are usually, you'll see them in your plants, but fruit flies, you'll see them more around your sinks and in your fruits and vegetables and stuff like that hanging around. Fruit flies are a little little bit bigger. They are bigger. Right? Yeah. Sometimes so. people call the, the fungus gnats noceums. 
you know? Yeah, exactly. Fruit little... flies are bigger and they usually have like a little bit more of a red tinge to them. Mm, okay, mm-hmm. perfect. one 332 8255 You know, speaking of which, w- w- before we go to our quick break here, let's just go over a couple details, uh, Rick and Jill, about we've got a lot of people who are maybe have, you know, covered some plants to get through that frost, mm-hmm. but it's time for some of those plants to come inside, yes. right? I've also talked to some people who brought stuff inside and have discovered that aphids and fungus gnats and all kinds of creepy crawlies and gross stuff has come along with them. So how do we prevent that? Okay, first of all, you want to quarantine it away from your other house plants, and you want to do this for probably about a month. Um, and I would grab a product called Endol is the best one. And you can do this one of two ways. If you have some smaller plants, you can mix up a bucket of uh, maybe a concentrate blend of, of Endol. You can actually take the plants and give them a little bath in that Endol. Mm. And that will just make sure that you get all the crevices and things like that. Um, with plants that maybe have new buds, new growth, um, like hibiscus or mandevilla, I will actually give them a, a good trimming. And I'll trim them maybe about a third off the plant, get rid of all those buds, that new growth where all those bugs like to hang out. And then I'll spray them with the endol. And it's important to spray them at the top of the leaf and also on the underside of the leaf mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. A lot of your bugs like spider mite, mealy bug, those actually hang out at the bottom side of the leaf. So spray them um, once uh, till they're dripping. Sometimes I'll lay a cloth on the ground or to even take them into a bathtub and then wait 10 days and then spray again. And I'll do that about two or three treatments um, inside the house. Make sure that you are supplementing your plants or putting them in a bright window um, if you're wanting to keep them actively growing throughout the winter season. Because otherwise, they'll, they'll go through so much shock already from coming in and, and changing environments. So if you add that um, additional light, it will help going through as much sort of movement shock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Now, how about Thanksgiving meals? Anybody got some turkey coming their way? Rick, what had do you it, think? Had it on Friday night. Oh, already? Okay, right. <laughs> and we didn't do turkey. We did a ham this year. Oh. My daughter made some nice Yorkshires, and oh, we did oof. pumpkin pie. We did that last night with my sister and some friends out at the cabin. So, so pumpkin yeah. pie from Costco? <laughs> it was actually yeah. Costco. Man, oh man, if anybody's been to Costco to try to get a pumpkin pie this year, it has been crazy. Yeah, it's been at, crazy. Even at Kelowna, there's people sitting... Sitting on on the display, empty displays, waiting for the new ones to come out. You know what's funny though is I I think that it's it's a way to get people in the store because then what they do is they put all the sale items leading up to the pumpkin pie and it's all things that you you might need, right? That Good is, for them. It works like a charm. Yeah, those batteries for Christmas time. And- you know, but but you got to think for six bucks or seven dollars, whatever it is for six ninety nine, six ninety nine, right? You can't even buy the ingredients no, for a pumpkin I pie. Couldn't. A can of pumpkin is like five dollars. So and then the and the spices and the sugar and all that stuff. Unless, and not- of course, you've grown your own pumpkins in your yard, then you can wow. have kind of the whole process. Oh, okay, now I got to tell you the real truth here. <laughs> I, I saw, I saw, I saw a great pumpkin carving. Okay, sitting out in front of the front steps, and it was a big, pretty big pumpkin, and it was sitting on the chair. You know, with the um, around the chair was is it's uh, it was uh, it was and underneath the chair was a was a with a with a bowl, right? And a bunch of little pumpkin sauce in it with their toilet paper roll right beside it as well. <laughs> and, and the sign says, this is really where pumpkin pie come from. <laughs> oh, oh, no. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I thought that was awesome. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you know what? For a pumpkin pie the size of the one you get at Costco, man, oh, man, you just can't be. And it tastes good. That's the other thing. Sometimes bots, pu- bought pumpkin pies have kind of a ugh, no. yuck yeah. taste to them, like a sour or bitter taste. No, these ones are awesome. So. Yeah. 
I uh, whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. Yeah, they, they've got it <laughs> nailed. We got some uh, Thanksgiving uh, stuff coming up in my family today, so we're doing a doing a turkey today. So I I wore the big pants, you know, the ones that are just a little stretchy, a little bit of extra room in them. Elastic waistband. Yeah, you'll roll me out of there later tonight. Anyways, welcome back to the show. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Hope you're enjoying your Thanksgiving plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a couple texts to get through here, so let's go to the next one. Wayne is in Regina. Is there anything I can put on on my shrubs? We keep getting voles with a V coming in and eating them. What do we do, Rick? Yeah, with those, basically what you're trying to do is you want, they're around right now, so they're hanging around places like underneath a shed or you got a pile of stuff sitting around or whatever, you know, some, some wood or some whatever. They're hanging around there, so you need to, basically the only way you can get rid of them, they don't, wolves don't eat poison. Like, they just don't. I've tried a whole bunch of times, and they don't eat poison that well. So the best thing to do is just put some, uh, uh, put a box out there or something that they can go into right close to where you think they might be hiding out and put some, buy some cheap uh, dollar store snap traps, you know, little wooden snap traps. Put some peanut butter and a craisin or raisin on top of the peanut butter and you're going to catch bowls all day long. Right. So, and right now they're coming in, you know, they're coming in from the grass areas or parks or whatever around your, your, your area and coming into somewhere where they can stay for the winter time where they know that you have nice green grass that they can eat all winter long underneath the snow. Mm. So you need to get rid of them right now, and so they won't cause you problems all winter. The nice thing about using the dollar store snap traps, if you're grossed out like I am, you can just throw the trap all out and just set yep. a new fresh one out. Exactly. You don't have to get into the ickies of emptying the trap. You know I, I mean? assign those tasks to my son. Right? Yeah. See? So I wouldn't do it either. Mm-hmm. So the dollar store would just get more of my money. That's all. Uh, let's go to our next text. This is from Marianne in Prince Albert. one 332 She says, I got a question about Brussels sprouts. This is the first year of successfully grown Brussels sprouts without any bugs. My plants were three feet tall, nice and green, but the Brussels sprouts are really small. Mm-hmm. I planted the sprout plants on May long weekend and harvest October 3rd. I watered and fertilized, used crop cover to keep the bugs out. Not sure what I did wrong. How do we get them any bigger? Well, she probably didn't do anything wrong. Um, one thing with Brussels sprouts is they're a cool weather crop. So they enjoy the cool weather. As soon as we get the hot weather, they start to bolt, which means that they'll stretch. That's why she's getting such a tall plant. Mm. Um, so like what she said, using the crop cover, but shading them during those hot months will definitely help. Now, Brussels sprouts are also a long long season crop. They take about 31 weeks to um, actually produce and they require a lot of water when it is hot. So about one to two inches of water in your garden in those areas where you have the Brussels sprouts, that's what they need to produce that fruit. So making sure when they're at that fruiting stage, it's a tricky one because a lot of other vegetables, when they're at the fruiting stage, that's when you like, you don't, you want to slow down on the watering a little bit, but not too much. But the Brussels sprouts, one to two inches of water a week is what they kind of require Mm -hmm. to get to their full potential long crops so sometimes they maybe just need a little bit longer before that frost comes and then shading them when that that heat wave comes or did through. they put a lot of their energy into growing vertically instead of making their fruit because they bolted and that's sometimes what happens in that in that season so shading them during that that warm part of the season really does help with those brussels sprouts okay perfect uh so a couple ideas there for you marianne to help kind of fix that but, but keep, it sounds keep going. like you you got some success there you you got it going so one thing about gardening it is a hobby let's let's improve on what we've done and, and sort of make some changes and tweaks and so those, we can have a better crop next and, year. Yeah. And also make sure not too much nitrogen. You know, using a good organic uh, or, or vegetable fertilizer, which mm-hmm. only has like a one or a two nitrogen in it, but it has all those micronutrients that'll help, that'll help it for not bolting as well. Exactly. 
Okay. This is Victor, who's in Martinsville. I recently had a well put into my uh, ear to in to irrigate my crops. That's what he's saying. So he's got an acreage with trees. I recently had a put, well put into irrigate my acreage trees. Last year, I watered my trees almost directly from the well. The water stained the trunks red with iron. My apple trees didn't produce this year, and now it has a white growth on it. Is that from the high iron content of the well water? Yeah, I, that would be the iron content. Also, it could be some, some calcium or magnesium in the water as well, but uh, most likely also from the from the high iron. I had a well one time that would, that had high iron, and I couldn't. I had a hard time growing plants with them. So you're gonna have to put a good iron filter on that on that uh, well if it has that high of iron, uh, just like you would for your house. Uh, that's what you'll have to do for that one. Okay. All right. Changing the water that way. Let's go to the yep. phone lines. We've got a couple of minutes here to get somebody's uh, call in. Dave is in Saskatoon right now, joining us to talk about some talk about cedars. Hi there, Dave. How are you? Well, fine, thank you. So, what's your question about your cedar trees? Uh, I just wondered when it. Uh, I have about four foot uh, cedars. I'm wondering when I should cover them with the burlap. Uh, you, you can wait for that, basically because it's not the cold that hurts them. It's the spring sun, or a Chinook in the middle of wintertime. So it's the March sun that gets them the worst. So what you can do right now is if you're going to wrap the tree itself, you've got lots of time yet. If you're going to wrap it around some posts, some, some, some stakes, then you need to put the stakes in the ground before the ground freezes, Okay. Uh, then you can you can wait until until the first snow, and then once the first snow comes, then you can you can wrap your trees. Now, if you're going to wrap it directly on the cedars, make sure you leave them six inches off the ground. Uh, your burlap, because you want snow to go in around the trunk to protect the roots. Very very important. Okay, and uh, and if you're going to go wrap around the stakes, then you can go right to the ground, but you have to go up above the top so the sun can't hit the top. It's the sun you're trying to shade it to. You're not trying to put a coat on. You're just trying to shade it from the sun. Okay. That sounds fair enough. Perfect. Thanks for your call okay. today, Dave. Yep. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving. You, you, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. one 877 We've got just a minute to go here until we got to go to our news update. So we're just about halfway through the show. One quick last text to get to before we move on. Uh, Darren's in Saskatoon. Good morning. Help. Maple bugs really bad on the outside of my house because it's very sunny there. What do I do? <laughs> so the back deck was covered in maple bugs. And I was like, oh, what are we going to do? So we actually took some um, Dr. Doom and we put it around the sort of the perimeter of the house, especially near the doors because we didn't want it to come into the doors. Make sure with any of these chemicals that you're doing a test spot on a place on your house so it doesn't take... Uh, the sunshine will sometimes uh, take the color off your house or something like that. So make sure you're doing a test in some of those areas. So that worked. But the other thing that I did is I, I sent my son out there with a fly swatter and he booted a bunch of them away because they're really soft-bodied animals. So like just a splash of cold water like with the hose will work. Um, we took the leaf blower out there and we, we blew a bunch of them off the deck in that area. If we're entertaining, that was kind of what we did just temporarily. Um, they aren't really going to do any harm um, to to any plants or, or anything in your yard. Um, Rick, you did, did mention that sometimes they got underneath um, underneath your, your yeah, siding. They ought to get the siding and then they died there. And then, of course, next year I had lots of flies. But, right. But, yeah, even my, my, my wife, we ran out of Dr. Doom and then she just used mosquito repellent and she sprayed that around her. And even things like garlic or that, that cinnamon. All those kind of things that they they don't like. So uh, you can put that around there too. Things like mosquito barrier, things like that. They don't like those kind of things. Just blasting with cold water. Another thing you can do is uh, if you have a wet dry vacuum, 
if you have it in the in the wet stage, put a little bit of water in the bottom of your vacuum cleaner and then just suck them all up. It works. They'll just die. Or otherwise, you just put your bag into your wet dry vac and you bag them up and you just toss them. And we were just talking before, we had a, a good text from, uh, you know, somebody talking about getting rid of voles, and we're talking about getting rid of maple blo- bugs, and Ron gave us a call in the break, and he's going to join us right now, because I think Ron's got a pretty good uh, home remedy. What do you think, Ron? How do you get rid of these things? Well, uh, yesterday I, I went and got a jug of dish soap, and um, this morning there was uh, just piles of them dead. Just, oh. Uh, it, uh, oh, I did. Well, in fact, I did all four walls. It was so warm yesterday; they were on all four walls. Not so, how did you, how did you mix that dish soap up, and how did you apply it? Well, they say, I mean, if you look it up, they say a tablespoon to a, a spray jug. But I used my not my weed spray one, the, the two gallon one, but I got a fertilizer one that I put liquid fertilizer in. So it's a two gallon jug. Okay. Because I've I got a lot to do there, but uh, so I. You know, I, I, you know, I don't even know. Probably a half a cup I did in uh, in two gallons. Okay, well that's great. And then you said it kind of just dried them up, and and they were kind of laying there dead, and you could vacuum them up in the morning. Yeah, well this morning I even did some, and I, I did them pretty thick with the soap. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I mixed it a little thicker, and they never even moved. They they were just they were stuck, and that's what it's supposed to do is dry them out and die. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a good excuse after doing the windows with it. You've got to wash your windows. <laughs> <laughs> you got a soapy residue so just to sort of get off my, there. My wife thought that was a brilliant idea. Yeah, two in one. You get to clean up the maple <laughs> yeah, bugs and clean, clean the outside Some of the house. Fall cleanup. There you well, go. Thanks so much for your yeah. call, Ron. Thanks, I appreciate Ron. it. Thanks, Ron. Take care. Yeah, yeah, 1-877-332-8255. That's great. That's, that's cool to see some alternatives, too. Uh, let's go to the text line here. We've got more texts that have rolled in. This is from Jean, who's in Melfort. Why are evergreen trees dying from the top down? Not all of them, but one here and there. The trees are mature approximately 30 to 40 feet tall. Is there a treatment for that? Okay, if they're dying from the top down, they probably have, uh, there's a there's a, a bore, okay, a spruce called a spruce bore. And then it gets to the top, but normally they don't go after mature trees, they go after younger trees. Um, but you might have that spruce bore in there, and once it's in there, the only way you can get it out is by either trimming it out, or if, you're, if you live on a farm, you can actually buy a product called Saigon. And then you have to figure, you have to basically get a hold of how you apply it. Uh, but uh, but uh, otherwise, the only, because that's a systemic, but otherwise, uh, the only way you can really get rid of them is get out there and trim the top off and destroy it, burn that piece that the bugs that the actual worms are in. But the only problem this time of the year is that they've come out of the, the bark already and they've gone down as a little beetle and they've gone down into the mulch or the needles not below the tree and going to hibernate for the winter time, And then they come back out again in about, in about the middle of June. And uh, then they lay their eggs and that boar drills back in again. So they're really hard to get. Um, uh, but you just have to keep on top by trimming that top out and getting rid of them that way. Or if you're a farmer, you can get a hold of a product called Saigon. But uh, for Gene, maybe good advice might be, you know, if you're not quite sure, find an arborist in your area 
let them have yep. a look at it and diagnose it with with a, a good up close look at that tree you know to yep. see if they can find evidence of the bore what to do about it and things like that and if it's a mature yep. tree sometimes to get up to the top safely anyway to trim it out yep. you'll need an arborist to help you exactly you're not going to be and climbing once, 40 feet in a tree once they trim once they trim that piece out they'll be able to look at the at the stock and be able to see all the holes bored inside if it's a bore so they'll be able to see the actual tunnels uh, and that's how they'll know they have it. There you go. Okay, let's go to our phone lines, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Waiting the longest in Regina is Carol, who wants to talk about her garden. Hi there, Carol. How are you? I'm fine. Um, I had c- cucumber beetles, and uh, I hand-picked them, but when I'm digging the soil, I'm finding these little orange capsule things, and I'm wondering if that's the eggs. Yeah, it could be the eggs or just the the old the the, the, the beetles themselves is going into hibernation. So if you dig them out, if you can if you see them, just pick them up and destroy them. Uh, that's the best thing to do. Okay. And and uh, because next spring, that's all you can really do. There's nothing you can really put into the soil uh, for those. Um, now some of the nematodes will work good, like grub buster, mm-hmm. will work good on those as well. Uh, but. The problem is, is that you got to hit them. You got to hit them now, but it's almost too late because the ground's starting to get cold. And yeah. otherwise, you got to hit them first thing in the spring. Now, one thing with those beetles too, I was just reading about, is that they like to lay their eggs under sort of the coarse, cracked soil. So something that's something that's a little bit drier soil, they enjoy laying their eggs in those types of areas too. So keeping that soil a little more moist um, helps to provide an environment where they don't like to lay their eggs as much. But I mean, it's a little bit too far gone right now. But that's yeah. a good thing to note for next year. And also diatomaceous, diatomaceous earthworks good too. So sprinkle when you're when you're planting them in next spring. Uh, yeah. Put some diatomaceous earth in the soil. Whether you got onions or any of the kind of those kind of things where you might have soil-borne bugs, uh, that's where they come from. Uh, the diatomaceous earthworks good as well. Uh, they disappeared when it was really hot. Yep, they're going underneath where the shade is somewhere. That's where they're trying to find okay. a place to where they're not so hot. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you. You're all welcome, Carol. Thanks a lot. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're gonna get another call in here before we have to go to our next break. Pam is in Saskatoon and wants to talk about cutting back some plants. Hi there, Pam. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Um, we have some grapevines, and we've had them in the ground for a couple of years, but this summer they really took off right across our pergola and stuff. And so, just wondering, do you cut those vines back? What do you do with those? You don't have to trim them back. You can just, I would just trim them just to keep them under control where they're, where they're growing where you don't want them to be. Okay, otherwise, great. you can leave them. They're, they're hardy, and they'll just okay. keep coming back year after year. The only okay. thing you want to do is every once in a while, if they just start getting too thick on you, mm-hmm. you, can cut them back to, you can cut them back to, like, whatever, three feet, six feet off the ground, and they'll just grow right back again about 12 feet the next year again. So oh, wow. they're, they're, okay. they're no problem. When they're that young right now where yours are, I would just mm-hmm. trim them to control them. Okay, great. And then PJ hydrangeas, do you cut those back or do you leave them? I don't know what, I don't know much about them. Yeah, the PG hydrangeas leave them. Uh, okay. What I do is I trim the old flower heads off and that way okay. the snow doesn't knock them down, you know, break any branches. Yeah. And then I just leave them and then I'll give them another good pruning in the spring. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that pruning in the spring, because they love to have snowfall around them. So the more branches, the okay. more snow, okay? Okay. And so... Um, uh, so then in the spring, trim it back by about 25% at least, okay? okay? And then you'll get way more blooms next year. 
Okay, great. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, Pam. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Okay, Jill, you want to talk a little bit by starting this op- opening up talking about a couple things, right? And Rick's got a couple things to talk about. Yeah. Okay. What do you want to fire off with here? So, Rick, you made some table centerpieces with in for your for Thanksgiving. Tell us a little bit yeah. about that. Yeah, what I did is it was because out in the Kelowna, they got all kinds of hydrangeas. We got a last caller talked about pruning hydrangeas. So what I did is I went in the yard. There's a beautiful top pink. Uh, uh, there's candelabras and, and some strawberry Sunday uh, uh, hydrangeas, and they're beautiful and about six inches, eight inches tall and pink in color right now, and some are white. And so I took some of the flower heads and I just made them into a little, took a little cup because we didn't have enough room because there's so much food on the table, right? So I made some little little cups with a flower head in them and I took some some uh, some silver leaf dogwoods and I took some purple leaf wellgelias and there's some also some, um, uh, I did some cotone aster uh, branches and I just made a whole bunch of different little cups and put them down the table and they looked awesome for Thanksgiving. So something you can use from your own yard uh, to make a nice, uh, a nice Thanksgiving table center. Well, you yeah. got today and tomorrow, so be creative, right? Become the florist. Yep. I did the same thing with some autumn joy sedums that were in your yard as well, Rick. I, I trimmed some of those off and, and put them on the table and added some fall leaves and just took some loose leaves and put them down the center almost like a table runner and it worked p- perfect. Now, one thing go. that I found when I've been looking at some research on trimming my um, my hydrangeas is hydrangeas um, have d- long nodes in between. So I find that when you are trimming them, just make sure that you trim the flower off right above a leaf set because that stem's going to die back down into that leaf set and you're going to have this sort of dead stalk there that can get disease on it. So when you're cutting them, the hydrangeas, cut them right above a, a leaf set coming out. So that's a little tip and trick for you too. Perfect. All right, let's go to our phone lines. We've got a phone call that's rolled in here. Uh, we're going to go to White City right now and talk to Kayla. Hi, Kayla. Hi. What's Happy your... Thanksgiving. You weekend. too. You too. Uh, you got a question about spider mite, right? Yes. Um, we just noticed that three of our spruce trees are looking pretty bare in the center with brown needles. And starting from the inside, working their way out, I heard earlier from your show to go with paper and shake to see if there was any spider mites that came out. And it looks like there is little insects that came onto the paper. So I am really concerned that we have spider mites. Just wondering what I should do now because we have quite a few spruce trees giving us privacy in a row. And it looks like three are looking really bare, but it might already be affecting six of them in a row. Yeah, so what you can do right now is that because the te- nighttime temperatures are getting really cold, the spider the spiders are starting to go into hibernation now. So they're going to be they're going to be going to sleep for the winter time. So starting next June the 1st, you want to make sure that you do a couple things. One thing, you just blast them with cold water. They don't like that at all. That dislodges them. So that's one way you can do it is just blast them with cold water. The other thing is just keep them fertilized uh, next spring. Uh, so you want new growth to happen. You, those trees need new growth. So you have to keep doing that. Fertilize every three weeks from May, Mother's Day until around July the 15th using a 30-10-10 around the drip line. These big trees, you're probably going to use about 10 gallons of water spread evenly all the way around. And then also you can do, starting in June, you can spray with malathion. And you got to blast it right into the middle of the tree. And so you can't just miss the outside. That doesn't work. And blast it right into the center of the tree. And then you do that three times, 14 days apart. Okay. 14 days apart. 
and then make sure they do some deep watering at least once a month with those trees. So because the spider mite are sucking the juices, right? And so as long as they have a supplement of water, they can just keep replenishing those juices. But it's when it's hot and dry like this, and you get a big tree and you get a drought, uh, the uh, the spider might get the upper hand. Okay, we're going to so be don't doing worry a- about it. Sorry. Sorry, we're going to be doing a blog post uh, this winter on Evergreen Care. So if you want to sign up to our email newsletter as well at dutchgrowers.com, you can do that and you'll be able to sort of see some some different tips and ideas on getting rid of that. So if you forgot some of those things throughout the winter season, you can also go there to our website. Okay, perfect. And so for now, like you said, don't worry about it until June comes or, or Mother's Day comes around for fertilizing. Yep. Yeah, okay. that's right. Because right now they've basically gone dormant. They've they've gone dormant. They're they're in the crevices in the bark and that kind of stuff. So they're hiding out for the winter time now. Okay, and then our trees are really really tall. Like I'll try and reach the tops with a garden hose. But if I can't, do you think it's still okay to kind of get up to three quarters up? Would be enough, the, or the the bottom half is is when the main one you need to get a hold of because that's where most of them are. You're not going to get rid of them all. You just want to get them under control so the tree can sustain itself. Okay. 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 Great. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the call, Kayla. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Couple texts we can squeeze in here. This is from Cannon Melville. We have a clump birch tree which has four trunks that's planted about fifteen feet from the house. My question is: Do birch trees have an invasive roots that are going to seek out the water lines? Yeah, they're not too bad. Birch trees tend to have a more of a surface root. You'll notice as they get bigger and bigger, you see the roots bulging out in the in your lawn and different things like that. So, so not much of a concern. They're going to have, no, not too much of a concern with the birch. Perfect. Terry's in Saskatoon. Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Wondering if I can prune a spruce tree that's gotten a little too big, and if so, when can I do that? Yeah, anytime now you can prune the spruce tree, not a problem. And then you can prune them right until the middle of November, and you can also prune them in, in March and the first week of April. When do I do my final soaking for the spruce tree for the fall is his other question. Right now, right now with the temperatures, because you're going to be blowing out your sprinklers right away, and the temperatures are going to be, by the end of this week, you're going to have, we're going to see a lot of zeros at nighttime, so now you can do your last deep watering of your spruce trees. Okay, this is Tracy and Bruno. My mini glads are still in the garden. If I pull them today, what do I do? Cut off the stalks? If so, then what? No, hang them, hang them out, put them on a piece of paper, and let them dry. So all the energy from the leaves go into the, into the bulb. Once the leaves have withered and dried, then you can cut them off and put them into storage. Perfect. Cats in Saskatoon, I got rid of maple bugs with Windex, she says, the, ho- the hose-end one that you use for windows. Mm-hmm. So she's, cause you can buy that. It's like an attachment for your hose. That- Two-in-one, wash your windows, get rid of your bugs. Yeah, kind of like the soap yeah. thing we had from uh, from our friend in Delisle there earlier today. Yeah. So that's- uh, even, the vin- even the vinegar in that, that probably is what kind of really going to get them. Yeah, or the alcohol, right? Yeah. There's probably some yeah, of that in there, the too. That dries, dri- dries them out. Dries them out, and they're kind of fried that way. Yeah. Uh, Sandra in Saskatoon, squeeze in one more here. Happy Thanksgiving. I have a question about spruce trees at the cottage north of Prince Albert. Notice some of the trees are getting a reddish color to their branches. What could cause this? Is there treatment? Yeah, that's a fungal, especially in the fir up in, up in northern Saskatchewan. You'll see that. So spray them with Bordeaux, and you've got to spray them three times starting around June the 1st, you know, or the time you go head up to the lake, and uh, spray them three times, 14 days apart at least. I'm going to jump in there, Rick. We've got to go here. So yep. uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of everybody who's listening right now, from my family to yours and all the Van Dyke here. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy enjoy Thanksgiving. it. Eat lots of turkey and pumpkin pie. We'll see you next week, same time, same place. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. You've been listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.